One summer we did a demo and then I think a year later we got acquired. That meant that we were with 16 people. A bunch of us uh, weren't married yet. Everyone needed to get married, otherwise they couldn't bring their partner with them. And then we went into an airplane and our new life began in, in Cupertino. What's up guys, I'm here with Michelle Ellings, the founder of Vev. Michelle has a history of delivering successful products with over 100 million users and with Vev they plan to empower millions of freelancers and SMBs by providing the basic tech tools they need so they can focus and smoothly run their business. Prior to Vev, he founded and sold his first startup, Press, to Apple and moved to Cupertino to help build Apple News. After returning to the Netherlands a couple of years later, he joined Booking.com to launch CityBook before founding his current company. They recently raised a 5 million euro seed round led by Point9 and Notion Capital. During this episode, we discuss about the founding story of Press, his experience in Cupertino and the cultural differences between Apple, Cupertino, and Booking.com Amsterdam and the process of building a product used by millions of people. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by EDA, the most collaborative tool for VCs and private equity investors that allows you to see in real time the true dimension of your investments and the value and impact they create. From investment decision processes to managing due diligence, supporting portfolio companies, data sharing and transparency, EDA streamlines the investment journey and fund operation management in an easy to use platform. Head to EDA.co, that is E-D-D-A.co, to find out why investors like FJ Labs, Headline and Plug and Play among others use EDA to manage their portfolio. Don't forget to use the code VPEDA when asking for a demo. So when you build Press, did you have this in mind? I want to build a beautiful product like Apple does, or I want to build something that Apple would consider buying. What is the founding story? I saw the iPhone coming up. I needed to have one, right? So I started hacking them because these blocks came on. They actually told you how to do it. So I was doing that and then I sold them. Then the App Store came a year later and I thought, wow, this is incredible, but I couldn't develop or design. So I met a guy who sold articles to different publications worldwide. So I told him like, wow, this is crazy. Have you ever heard about the iPad? He said, no. So I told him, why don't we make a magazine based of all your old publications? Because they were all mm -hmm. timeless and English and uh, had photography and great stories. And they were already sold to other publications. So within a month, we had our app in the App Store, but we were still bound to all these really strange workflows and hundreds of thousands of clicks that were really weird to make. We launched and we obviously made numerous mistakes and not everyone looked at it or used it that much. We made it paid at first and it was far too long as a magazine. We switched it to free and made it feel like a magazine. And that's how we could do like a weekly recurring magazine. We used a, I think what you would now call like a growth hack, which was at the end of the magazine, we said like, do you, do you like this? Please provide a review on the app store. And everyone started doing that. So we got five star reviews, only, only five stars. And it became thousands of those. And this was in the era of PDFs and Adobe had like a deal, I believe with Wired and Wired was two gigs of memory for a magazine. It was crazy. So they all got these one star ratings. How would you find the content creators? So you had this initial deal with this friend of yours that already had all this content that was vetted by some of the big publications that is content worth publishing. 
Did you just continue to use his content? Did you start talking with other type of content creators or publishers to take their content and to put it in there? No, so both. Uh, we did it together, right? So we had numerous of these these magazines, but we also, we had friends of his that also were journalists and we purchased some content and made those, those into like photo books that you could actually buy within the catalog for all these free magazines, but he had probably a hundred. We ended up with 250. So we also made sure that people started writing those for us. We had a really great writer and editor later in England, Kieran Miki. The content wasn't big of a problem. What I really didn't like was all these in-app browsers. At a certain point, we were fed up. We missed Retina, iPad, we missed opportunities to be featured on the App Store because back then you were like heavily featured if you did the right thing. By the way, you still are. So at a certain point I said, okay, let's build our own software. Let's get investors and start building our own software. So a friend of mine from high school, he was a CTO at an agency in Utrecht, which is also where we are now located. It's quite close to Amsterdam. So it's in the middle of the country and you have a lot more opportunity to find great people and great talent. So Thijs and I reconnected with each other and we started talking about how this magazine software would look like. Because obviously you need tooling on the one hand and the consumption on the other hand. So we started making like this software cookbook of all the things that we wanted to do that weren't possible in other tooling systems. That's how it started going. We got a very small team in. We managed to get the whole workflow of getting all the old magazines into the new thing. Yeah, it was crazy, but it was so worth it because it was 20 times better than what we had in every single way. It was crazy. And do you remember the day when Apple contacted you and say, hey, what you guys are doing is pretty great. We would like to acquire you. We had all these raving reviews coming in and I knew one guy within Apple and I started making all these conversations with him. And at the end of every conversation, I always asked like, who do you think would be a great fit to also look at this? And then he always said like, I oh, have to talk to this guy and this guy. So I flew to the, to the UK, spoke with a guy in France. And at a certain point, this became the US, right? So from the UK, we went to the US. I also met like a number of persons during the WDC. And a year later, I got a email that they wanted to come over and shoot video with us for WWDC video. As a fanboy, you're like, holy shit, this is going to happen. So popping champagne, the whole thing, like a dream coming true, right? Then he said, ah, shit, we can't make it with the planning. So I was like, what? We already spoke to a lot of persons, like investors, <laughs> but so never do that. The party's planned already. The term sheets are signed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I texted a few persons there and at a certain point they, they said, okay, we'll do something. Here you have a VIP ticket. So I got a ticket to go to the WWDC the Worldwide Developer Conference. It's always in June. And this is where Apple always provides like all the updates that they're making to all the OSs, uh, sometimes uh, some hardware. And back then this used to be in Moscone West in San Francisco. They have this like enormous area where they provided like a show. So you're there with about 5,000 people. Everyone has to stand in line for a very long time. What I had was a VIP ticket and I didn't tell anyone. So these guys were standing in line took a seat. At a certain point, I could also enter. I was on the front rows, so really behind all my heroes. And we were in that video, like it was a holy shit moment. At the end of the show, which takes about one and a half hours, I thought, okay, this is the only chance I will ever, ever get. I uh, turned around 
jump security uh, because I knew that these high level folks from Apple were always standing there at the end of the keynote. I saw all these keynotes years back and I always looked at them and I always saw them standing like and they were, I don't know, discussing stuff or so or being happy. So I jumped security and then I spoke to Eddie Q, which was like already quite high in the comment that I said to him, listen, we were in the video. He said, wow, congratulations. And I said, hey, we made the software you guys forgot to make. So he started laughing <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's, that's when my, my whole calendar blew up only with Apple folks. They were like, Hey, you spoke to this guy. We need to talk. Yeah. So that's how it actually started. How long did it take until they were like, okay, we want to acquire you guys. Uh, and then you had to m move to Cupertino. Yeah. So I think it was one summer where we actually started talking, we did a demo and then I think a year later we got acquired. That meant that we were with 16 people. A bunch of us uh, weren't married yet. So everyone needed to get married. Um, otherwise they couldn't bring their partner with them. And then we went into an airplane and our new life began in, in Cupertino. Amazing. I know that you're back to Netherlands. And if you look back, like what are the main differences between working in Cupertino for Apple and then also you, you work for booking in, in Amsterdam. Like what are the cultural differences there? Obviously the US is different than the Netherlands or Europe, right? Cultural differences are probably like, it's a really large corporation. We were a startup. You can probably imagine that we came in and we thought like, wow, we, we're gonna do and we're gonna implement this. And that was all great. There was this highly secretive company. So with a lot of badging going back and forth, you don't know what your colleague is working on. For instance, Apple is really like gut feel. You have to, you get like a lot of time to design it in the right way. There are so many iterations taking place without a user having to cope with that. It has been a really magical process to see design iterations after design iterations for such a long time. And then at the end, the real thing, it just works. I really have seen it multiple times, that kind of mm -hmm. magical moment where a lot of things are being cut and a lot of things are removed, but also there's so much polish and beauty that stays after that. Like the simplicity, I'm a really, really big believer in that. And the ability to have a chance to take the, the essence and to take the time to ship what is worthy to a user. That was something that is like unbelievable to take part in. On the other hand, <laughs> at booking, it couldn't be more opposite. So what I, what I did was I went back to the Netherlands because I wanted to start something. Thijs, he wanted to stay at Apple for a while. So I got back to the Netherlands, but I wanted to learn something new. I started investing a bit and advising a bit. And I thought that was a little bit too, yeah, not for me because I, I really wanted to build something and, and see if I could do it again. That's when booking reached out and they wanted to do something else than hotels. So they said, we want to diversify our business a bit. And what we want to do is do something which they and every other company now in travel is saying like the connected trip. And once people go to a hotel, they tend not to stay in it, except for your first week of having a partner probably, but you actually want to see something from a city, right? And eat somewhere and those kind of things. So there were all these smaller startups internally being made. I did one of those. And the interesting thing was after my first day, they actually asked, did you ship something already? <laughs> so with an Apple, you had like a very, very long time there. It was like. First day, what's your hypothesis? Another thing was 
like quite different within Apple. I didn't have these conversations where, how are we going to get eyeballs? I think they probably did, right? I wasn't there, but it was also a bit like, okay, it's going to be an application on the phone uh, that is going to be added standard. So with the new iOS and Apple news would come pop up and then they would overnight have users. At Booking, this was quite different, was quite political to say, I want eyeballs. But that meant that a different team would share the eyeballs or it was super differentiated there, let's say it like that. But it was really, really cool to see something from gut feel going to something where it's more hypothesis driven, going from really design and, and really style all the way back to something here that was like completely numbers. Does it work? Do we need to change mm -hmm. the color? It was it was dramatically different. You built press from scratch. Then you kind of moved from Cupertino back to the Netherlands. You joined Booking. There you built Citybook from scratch. And now you started Vev. What is the process that you use to build products, giving your knowledge in building product used by more than 100 million people? Well, I'm a really big believer in creating great teams. I'm not a designer or a developer. What I think I am quite good at is finding talent and finding amazing people that are friendly and that can collaborate with each other. And the other part is that in all three instances, we had quite a vision. With Press, we wanted to make everyone a publisher. With CityBook, we want to fix your whole travel journey. We found out that about plus 80% of the folks that go on a journey didn't take any second of thought of what they were going to do. So they didn't do any research. Oh shit, I'm going to Barcelona. Now what? And now we want to try to make everyone in the world, give them the ability to become an entrepreneur or enable them to use the best technologies out there to sell whatever they want. This is quite a vision and finding really talented people that they want to build these kind of things from the ground up. This is something that I always like and ties as well. And, and, and a few, few of our friends and colleagues that we've made over the years. If you have, if you got the whole stack, it takes a, a longer time in the beginning. But once you've got it, it's like going and then you can build on top of each other. So what's the process like? It's more like we have a big vision. We have great investors and build a, a strong team with a great foundation underneath it. And and from that moment on, like we have our sprints, and, but a very light process where a lot of the freedom is given to find your own solution to problems that are going to occur. I'm not going to say that that is special, but this is how we are doing it. And I really, really like that because we don't have the answer. The best argument wins. doesn't matter who says it, but if you have a better argument than someone else, then uh, you should be the, the one that we are going for, right? And you're tackling a huge vision. And I love the vision. How do you go about it? Do you go after an industry? Do you try to solve like a problem that hasn't been solved, that goes horizontally across industries? If you are a florist... Like you, you sell flowers and then you have this floor, florist stands, right? They don't have software for that. There's no vertical specialized software for that. When you are cutting Pomeranian dogs, these are all these niches and there's no software for that. And going to the other side, it's like you have like all these marketplaces, like just eat. And then you have like these small pizza places and they either get picked up the pizza or they have to deliver it. And then in a lot of the cases, they have to do the delivery themselves, but they pay huge fees for that. What we found out was that it's not that much different. So having an appointment or an order, it's not that different from each other. So what we said was, what if we would make 
the best software for flower stand entrepreneur. We will probably be able to have like multiple people use the same stuff. You need to have a list of customers. You need to have order history for your tax. You need to know how much you earned, make an appointment, get it like into the calendar of yourself or of your customer. All these things are extremely hard. Not to even mention like uh, all these folks also have like a pin terminal. Uh, you pay also percentages to those kind of companies. So what we thought was, what if we go after a horizontal service layer where we say we will make and fix everything that's extremely hard so you can do your work as a flower stand, as a Pomeranian groomer, as a pizza delivery guy, as a sushi chef, as a whatever. And uh, we made it a little bit harder for ourselves. I'll tell two examples. One was the colors of a merchant, so the branding, it's actually something that people love. What we said was the design of the whole application. So, so as well, the front-end application for the customer, as well as the back-end for the merchant. We thought, let's make that in the colors of the merchant. So that's crazy, right? Because normally, if you make something red, it means that you can throw it away. I think that was a misconception that we've solved. So the whole application is done in their colors. Secondly, and more importantly, I think, is what we said is let's find a way how we can immediately make it in the language of our merchants. So right now it's already translated in 10 languages, which means it's more accessible to merchants. And we can now like cover almost half of the world with it. And it just works, right? So we're a very small team. Again, we modeled it all out and now we translate every feature that we have and going onwards into these languages. And we can like quite easily add new ones to it. So I think these are things that pay off because right now we have merchants in Australia, South Africa, the UK, the US, in France, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands, Belgium, and Portugal. We just launched and we obviously we, we've been handholding merchants for a very long time. Like we, we worked on the system for two years. Uh, one year was, was without merchants and the second year was with. But it's quite interesting to see that A, the horizontality works like dramatically well. And then B is like it works in so many countries that I think we're onto something here. That to me is mind blowing because you're a small team and you want to do the right thing, but getting like people to to really understand your vision and going to work with it and actually earn their complete income with it is something that is really fascinating because we just, I, I never like the word or the sentence, but it's true. We're just getting started. Like every startup always <laughs> says that. <laughs> Let's just change, change gears a little bit. Entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. Also, I know that you're 39 years old. How do you recharge physically and emotionally? When we started, our first company, I had a really, really small kids. Like they were one and three. My wife quit her job because she believed in me or us. Family life is something that I really admire and love. So I, I think that's the, the main subject for me is that I energize from being home. We have two dogs now. We, I don't know, we cook a lot. Like we have incredible quality time together. I also like working. It sounds a bit strange, but. It's also my hobby. My dream was to do an organized events. I do that now with VEV. So we, I sell tickets and 
organize a party. Uh, next one is tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I yeah, it. I don't know. Like, but it's a full life. So the, I think the energy I get from other people and doing a job actually provides even more energy to keep going. Yeah, it kind of feels that you get energy or recharge from your family and then doing something that you love, which doesn't feel like a job for you. Yeah. You recently raised a, a 5 million euro seed round from Point Nine and Notion Capital in a time where markets are quite uncertain. For the founders listening, how should they prepare to raise a seed in this environment? What do they need to have in place, in your opinion? I'm not so sure if I can give like advice on this. Our background certainly helped, right? So it was amazing to see the interest. 10 years back, we were doing a race for, for press and we were in the US and you actually needed to go to the US to get meetings with people that took like a week or two. Now it's like camera on, let's go, right? Get your deck in order. I obviously know that this is not advice, but it became more professional, quicker. There's one piece of advice that I've, I've been given by someone. Keep it short. If you want to raise, then just say, okay, this is the week where I'm going to have like all the conversations. This is this maybe add a second week. And then you want to get like the term sheets in. Don't make this go on for too long because you actually lose momentum inside your own company if it's already there. You also need to keep focusing on everything else that's happening, right? Customers product, team, all those kinds of things. Keep it short and yeah, highly condensed. So if Michel from 10 years ago would listen to this episode, what would you tell him? You always have people that believed in you. I always, always have a bunch of folks that didn't, right? You get born with a bunch of talents. And if you work with those, they don't suck energy out of your system, but they actually provide more of that. And like the people that didn't believe in you, like screw them, right? Because if you really believe in yourself and what you can do, there there must be a way to do what you love, find your passion. And like to me, money is not a, I don't care. I know it's easy to say from my point of view, but I always did what I really, really enjoyed. I wouldn't trade anything. Like I, I wouldn't change anything if I could, could do my life in a different way. Like obviously there are bad and great things, but that makes what life is about, right? I don't want to have a gray life. I want to have a great life. Push hard, work extremely hard. I've been really, really lucky, but the work ethic of working hard also provides a system where luck finds you. So if you sit on your couch, it doesn't seem to find you that quickly. But if you're on the move and on the go, it has the ability to go to you. This is what I believe in. Did you become a millionaire after you sold the company to Apple or? <laughs> Let, let's say we have a really, really good life. <laughs> Why do you think money is such a taboo? I don't know. It's probably a Dutch thing. I, it's not a no, taboo, it's... but uh, you sign a bunch of contracts. Once I got a lot, I actually thought, shit, now what? So that took some time in order to go back on what you're good at. Again, like your talent. I know that what I really deeply love is work with really great people and build something extremely cool that others can flourish on. And I've done that uh, now a few times and I, I think I want to continue to do that for a very long time. Believe in yourself, find your strengths, surround yourself with people that believe in yourself and just get moving. Don't sit on a couch. Yeah. Love that. Wonderful. Michelle, thank you. Thank you very much for, for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me.